Off My Block, Book 3, Done and Dusted. Chapter 4, Hello Sugar Lips. So, the Saturday arrives and we rehearse for just a half day because Jimmy said he'd a load of stuff to be doing for the young fella's stag later that night. Now, I'm in a bit of a bind as far as going out for a night on the tiles is concerned. Firstly, I haven't a pot to piss in. Granted, Donnie's been putting me up for the few weeks, which is grand and all like a clean, warm and comfy bed, as much scran as I could shove down me craw, and a couple of new sets of clobber. Don't get me wrong, I was grateful to him and all, but a full belly and a couple of pairs of chinos are no bleeding use for a night out now, are they? Especially somewhere as posh as where Jimmy said we were going. Second of all, I'd gone just over two weeks without the jar, and in my world, that's a very, very long time, I can tell you. Right, it wasn't easy going. Far from it, in fact. The shakes were a bastard. They never fucking stopped. They were there morning, noon and night for the first ten days or so. Now that they were gone, I really didn't want them kicking back in if I was to slip and find myself having a jar at the stag. I was kind of proud of myself, you know, and I really didn't want to be taking a step backwards. I told Jimmy as much that very morning, but he was having none of it. Like I told you, he'd knocked the gargle on the head years ago and he swore to me that he wouldn't let me scoop anything but a few minerals. It was half off me tongue to ask him for the loan of a few bob and I know that he'd have been good for it, but me old pride kept me trapped shut and I couldn't ask him. As we weren't rehearsing that afternoon and given the humour I was in, I didn't want to even do the rehearsing on me Todd with the old tapes, so I was at the loose end as to occupy myself for the day. I went for a stroll up to Dunleary, and when I got to the People's Park, sure I just kept on going. Before I knew it, I'd walked clear all the way to the top of Colony Hill, following, almost exactly, the way myself and Noel had walked almost twenty years beforehand. Jesus, man, I did a lot of serious thinking that day. It's a funny thing, you know, to be sober. And I don't just mean the day after, like, I mean sober sober, if you get me. There hadn't been a 24-hour period in me adult life that I hadn't supped, and there I was, two weeks dry and philosophising like the Dalai Lama. It was the first time in me life that I was actually thinking clearly, properly like. I was thinking long-term, about the future, planning things, if you know what I mean. I suppose that up until then, sure, I'd always just plodded along, and any thinking that I did do was always about the past. I'm always jays as well, looking backwards, so I am. I'd sit and brood on anything and everything. Do you know what I mean? I'd curse anyone and everyone who'd ever wronged me and blame them for all me woes. But never, ever would I blame myself. Sitting up on the hill that day, in the self-same spot where me and poor El Noel had sat when he'd come clean about being me real El lad, I finally copped on to myself. Well, kind of, sort of, in any ways. For the first time in donkey's years, I decided to stop looking back and mulling over things and decided instead to look forward and, you know, plan some kind of future for myself. A safe, secure future. Like, it was time to stop acting the maggot. Once we got the show on the road, literally, I'd look for a nice little apartment for myself. Rented now, mind you. I wasn't so fucking gormless to think that a cover band was going to earn me anywhere near the few bob I'd need to buy me own gaff. But... Rented or not, it'd be my little place to call home. Once I'd gotten a gaff sorted, the next thing to do was to take the first tippy-toe steps to getting back on good terms with me kids.
of all the shite that I've both caused and put up with over the years. Falling out with the two of them was the hardest and most hurtful thing the whole poxy shebang threw at me. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't expecting any miracles or anything like that. It would be hard and I knew it. But if for nothing else but me own sake, sure I'd give it a lashing anyways. I had a clean slate, thanks to Donny, and I wanted nothing else but to draw happy pictures on it if I could at all help it. Feeling better, in myself like, than I had done in many a long year, I made me way back down to Donny's gaff. Me legs jays as well knackered from all the walking, so they were. Full of pride with me new senses of both sobriety and responsibility, I had every intention of ringing Jimmy and telling him, thanks, but no thanks, I'd give his young fella stag a miss if he didn't mind. That was the plan for all the 20 minutes. There was a new suit, shirt and shoes laid out for me in me room. The shirt and suit were grand so they were, but the poxy shoes looked like something that a member of a samba band would wear. They were those poxy stacked Cuban heels with the pleated leather on the top. Jesus, well, horrible so they were, but they'd have to do. There was two crisp 50 euro notes and a little note on top of the pile that read, A man can't paint the town red without money for the paint and a new set of overalls. You've worked hard, Tommy. Go out and enjoy yourself. Love, Bianca. Loving jays as I was into the shower as fast as the dodgy fart stained your gusset and I was downstairs at half past ten waiting for Jimmy to come pick me up. And boy God did he pick me up. From way down the driveway I could hear the clatter of the electric gates as they slid open and then the crunch of tyres rolling over Donny's fancy gravel. Then next minute I sees this huge bleeding limo come rundling up the driveway, flags on the front of it and everything so there was. I was expecting for all the world for your man Obama to climb out of the bleeding yoke. And then I noticed that there's pictures of Diddy's on the flasks and the old penny dropped. Next thing I see is Jimmy's mallet popping out of the sunroof and he's shouting and cursing out of him like it's the last days of Caligula. Off the batter, me bollocks, I thought. Come on, Tommy, says he. Hop in, sure, it's great crack. I gets in and anyways, and there's the lads, Sammy D, real name Buddy Kendall, and a few of the lads from the orchestra. And as I said, Jimmy too. There's also a few queer ones in the back of the car as well. And let me tell you, you'd see more clothes on a washing line, bleeding well mortified, so I was. The rest of the lads were quiet enough. Mind you, Jimmy was making enough noise for all of us leaping and shouting around the car, so he was. I thought he doesn't drink, I said to Buddy, but it looks like he's out of his face. I was watching Jimmy as he motorboated one of the queer ones, who were, I was sure, what me poor old mother would have called a couple of luscious. Not an ounce of shame in him, the dirty fucker. Always oh, off the gargle, all right, says Buddy. It's not the drink that's the problem. It's the white stuff, Tommy, you know what I mean? He held one finger to the side of his nose and sniffed. You're fucking joking me, says I. A poxy vix inhaler did that to him. No, you fucking idiot, says he. No, the white stuff. Now, I might have had a rough time of it over the years, and I've seen more than me fair share of madness and mayhem, but thanks be to Jesus, the old drug side of things has never darkened me door. Ever. Never at one gig in any one of the clubs I'd ever played way back when. Not in any of me mates over the years. Not with any of me family. Not with the kids. So you'll have to excuse me ignorance on that side of the fence when it comes to the old, you know, narcotics parlance, if you know what I mean. I hadn't a clue what Buddy was trying to tell me. He took a sip of his champagne and leaned into me. You know, like, says he, cocaine, Tommy. He's been snorting that shite since he picked us up, probably before too. 
I'm not up for it at all, to tell you the truth. Uh, not exactly my cup of tea, says he. Uh, no, not mine either, says I. And I meant it. I didn't want that poxy shite anywhere near me. Not no way, not no how. Just as I was thinking that, the other fucking idiot comes up out of your one's cleavage for a breath of air. Here, says he, picking up a glass tray from behind the minibar. Tommy, you've got to try this. It'll put the lead in your pencil like you've never known. There was about a dozen or so lines of the stuff on the tray. Is that all there is, I asked him. Yeah, that's all there is, but it's more than enough for the both of us, Tommy. Just enough to get the night off to the right start. Yeah, all right. I'll have a bit of it, says I. That's bang on of you, Jimmy. Fair play, pal. I took the tray from him while Buddy glared at me as though he'd just caught me nose deep in his queer one's drawers. One of the lads from the orchestra leaned across the car, grabbed me wrist and tried to take it away from me, but I batted him away with a nod and a wink. Talk to him, says I to Buddy out of the side of me mouth. What? says he. The fucking gobshite. Keep him fucking occupied, will you? says I. No need, says he, nodding in Jimmy's direction. He was swinging out of the other queer one now. We were driving down Temple Hill and Black Rock at this stage. I lowered me window as calmly as I could, and without so much as a second thought, I trunned that tray and the poxy muck that was on it out onto the road. Well, the other fella must have had a sixth sense when it came to the whereabouts of his gear, because he knew it the minute it was gone. He was off your one in a flash and came clambering across the car at me like a fucking demon, so he was. What the fuck did you just do? He roared. The biggest favour that anyone will ever do, you pal, says I, without so much as batting an eyelid. That's my fucking gear, he shouted. Was, pal. It was your gear. Past tense. You'd no right to do that, you pontificating prick, you. He caught me by the arm and tried to pull me towards him, but I just went dead weight in me sitting trying me best to make me arse as heavy as I could. It worked. Half crouching as he was under the low roof, he couldn't get the leverage to move me. I pulled me arm away from him and he went tumbling down towards the front of the limo. We don't do gear, says I, ever. What are you on about, says he? The band, the band, I shouted. I don't know about you, pal, but I really want this, need this to work for me. Nothing's going to fuck it up for me, right? You've no idea how long I've waited for this to get something with this much potential on the road and I'll be fucked over a barrel if I'm going to sit back and let you fuck it up by hoovering that crap up your honk, right? If you want to keep that shite up, off you fuck. We'll find someone else to replace you. Who fucking will die and put you in charge to see? I'm Sinatra. I'm the boss. Are you for real, says I? This isn't the real deal, you fucking muppet. He might have been the boss in the real rap pack, but we're just hacks, impersonators, right? You're no fucking boss of mine. I'll answer only to Donny. Now sit down, shut your fucking wish, and don't ever, ever let me see you doing that shit again, right? He slumped back into his chair with a face like a slapped arse. I don't do it all the time, he muttered, just every now and again. Come on, it's me young fella, Stagnoid. I don't care if it's the second coming of the Lord Jesus himself. If I ever see you snorting that muck anywhere near me again, I'm telling you now, you leap through a tube for the rest of your poxy life. You understand me? I was screaming at this stage. Jesus, man, I don't think I've ever been that fuming, not even with the Dimflin one or that other Brazilian gee bag. Well, suffice it to say, he should have wished. You fucking better, so he did. He sulked all the way into town and it was no surprise to me to see him do a couple of champagnes on the way in. I reckon when you're used to a buzz of some sort and you can't get it from anywhere, you'll take the next best thing. 
I know that feeling only too well after the swims and the gargles that I've taken over the years. Right. What I'd done to him might have been a bit of a prick of a thing to do to a fella. But there was too much at stake, you know what I mean? I needed this gig more than the air that I breathed. And I was fucked if I was going to let it be ruined by some gobshite snorting that shite up his snout. If watching out for myself meant pissing him off, so be it. I could deal with him. Anyways, we dumped the queer ones at a club on Leeson Street with a few quid in their jeers for their trouble. And then we got the driver to drop us up to the fancy club where the young fella Stag was to be. For the Jesus in life of me, I can't remember the name of the place. But when I seen it, I was glad I wasn't going to be drinking because it looked like the kind of place that you'd have to remortgage your gaff just to buy around. By this stage, Jimmy seemed to be coming down from his powder buzz. Mind you, having abstained from the gargle for so long, the poxy champers was kicking in and he was about to go off on a messier buzz. It was the same with the others. They weren't jarred or anything, but they were close to half cut them not. And there was I, as sober as a judge, and not enjoying a single fucking second of it at all. My Jesus, jarred people have a knack of getting under your skin when you're bone dry, I can tell you. So much so, that by the time we joined the queue to get into the club, I was no more in the humour for any hassle. But it wouldn't be me now, would it, if there wasn't hassle there, just waiting for me. There we were, queuing up, when I copped him. Ah, course of love and fuck on it, says I. What's wrong, asks Buddy. Your man, says I, nodding towards the head of the queue. That fucker's going to cop on to me and not let me in. Who? Him, says I, pointing to the door of the club where that fucking nutcase of a Steven Seagal wannabe security guard, Steve the Pride McBride, was working the door. Who's he? Do you know him, says Buddy. I know him well enough to know that the fucker's not going to let me in. Getting refused entry quickly became the least of me worries when I remembered that the fucker could still have me charged for the shoplifting if he was to cop on to who I was. Add to that the fact that I'd done a Lord Lucan on him and as a consequence of which more than likely made him the laughing stock of the whole shop, he'd defo be gunning for me. You'll be grand, says Buddy. Eh, what did he do? Stop you before or something? Uh, something like that, says I, before telling him exactly how I knew the fucking Muppet. Sure, that was a month ago now, for God's sake, Tommy. And judging by what you told me and the state you were in back then, he'll be looking out for someone that looks like Wurzel Gummidge. And here you are now, dapper as fuck, what with the Richard Gear clobber on you. Come on, you'll be grand. Are you sure, says I? Course I am, says he. That fucking idiot's never going to cop you. We shuffled our way up the line and anyways, and I'm shitting it, so I am. I'm full sure that the bastard's going to twig me. We get to the top of the line. Jimmy passes him by, no bother. Then one of the lads from the orchestra walks in, not a problem. Buddy pushed me forward, and as your man turns around to me, I can see it in his eyes. Recognition. He looks me up and down as I walk past him. Just as I'm about to clear him, he puts his arm out to bar me way. Are you a regular, says he. Oh, says I, I'm just here for the stag. Do you ever drink in the black horse up an inch of court? No, pal, never. What about Dicey, says he. Never been there either, pal, says I. I know you from somewhere, do you know that? Jesus, that's mad, pal, says I. I, I wouldn't know. Buddy stepped in between us. He does be on the telly, says he. Me too, you probably seen us on the late late a few weeks ago. He does Dino. I'm Sammy and your man that went in ahead of us, he, he plays Frank Sinatra. Oh, says the nutcase. I must have missed that. Mind you, you do look like them all right. Can we go ahead in, asks Buddy. Yeah, go on, says he. We went to walk in, but he caught me by the arm as I went to past him. 
Dino me bollocks. I know, I know you from somewhere. I reckon you crossed the pride at one time or another. I, I, I haven't a clue what you're on about, pal, says I, shrugging off his hold on me. You better hope I don't remember from when, says he, as I walked away from him. Jesus, man, me old ticker was going hell for leather in me chest. Here, he shouted after me. Oh, well, fuck it in any ways I thought. The bastards after remembering. You forgot to get stamped, says he. Ah, thanks be to Jesus for small mercies. I've the memory of an elephant, he says to me as he stamped me hand. It'll come to me sooner or later. I hope so, pal, says I, lying through me back teeth. I walked into the club, hoping against hope that the psycho Egypt wouldn't remember where last he'd seen me. As soon as we got into the club, all I wanted to do was get back out again. Loving Jesus, the noise was inhuman. Dush, dush, dush. That stupid music that the kids listened to was only battering me eardrums straight away. It's not even proper music, is it? It's just fucking noise is what it is. And all the other gobshites out on the dance floor only fucking well loving it as they bop around out of their faces on those Jaeger bomb things and God only knows what fucking else. Fucking saps the lot of them. And Jesus, don't get me started on the lights, lasers, strobes, you name it, they had it. And them all flashing on and off at the same time. Fucking liable to give you a stroke, so it would. It wasn't like that back in my day. No way, man. First of all, they weren't called clubs, they were called discos, and you could hear yourself fucking think for starters. Second of all, there wasn't so many lights and they blinked much slower, so it wasn't like being inside an epileptic rainbow. Mind you, if the DJ kept his finger on the L smoke machine for too long, it was like wandering around inside a cloud, and in those conditions, it was fierce dangerous to try and snare a queer one. Sure, Jesus, you might end up with a scanger of a scack altogether. And another thing, while I'm on the subject, they played slow sets to give you at least half a chance of scoring. You know what I mean? How in the name of Jesus are you supposed to even talk to a queer one, let alone throw the gob on her when she's lepping around the dance floor like a spider on fire? Ah, uh, yeah, the old slow sets, they were the way to go. Mind you, I never really fared too well during them myself. I'd go around the disco asking girls to dance with me. Fucking hell, it was like selling the big issue. All I got was no thanks with the odd fuck off thrown in for good measure. Here. Did I ever tell you about the night I got me leaving search results? Well, when I say I got them, I mean everyone else. As I told you before, so wrapped up in me dreams of future stardom was I, I never bothered me whole in going for any of the exams. Still, that wasn't going to stop me going out on a hoolie the night the results came out. It was a Wednesday night back in August 81 and the local disco, Renus, opened especially for the occasion. It was in the basement of the Manford Arms Hotel and a right dingy kip of a place if ever there was one. Still, you could get in and get served easily enough. The beer was as cheap as chips, so you could always bet on Rena's to be jammers and good for the crack. Anyways, that night I'm as flush as a prince, given that I was now gigging full time by this stage and I'm only throwing free gargle around the place like snuff at a wake. A consequence of which I've more hangers on swinging out of me than a shark has fish sucking the belly out of him. Well, feeling for all the world like Michael Smurfett, I'm only well swilling the gargle out of it. I got full up on beer in no time at all, and thinking that I was more than able for it, I moved on to shorts. I tried vodka, gin and whiskey, and I didn't like a one of them. So when poor old Sharps, God rest his squashed soul, told me to try Perno and Blackcurrant, 
Sure, I was game ball for it. Well, they were only bleeding masso, so they were, and I fucking well milled into them. No need to tell you, not one of me best decisions. After about an hour, I'm walking on legs that feel more like slack rubber bands and me belly's going around like a Zenusi on spin. Through a haze of that poxy dry ice smoke, I stumbled me way to the jacks, fell into a stall, locked the door and sat down on the bog. I thought that the cool air and the quiet in there would help to get myself back together. Far from it. All I could smell was stale piss and the festering innards of the dirty fucker in the stall beside me. I didn't even have time to turn. It just came on me and all at once. What spewed out of me was a luminous pink mix of perno and potatoes with the odd dice carrot thrown in for consistency and it jesus well ruined me new Nike runner boots. I thought I was going to die with the stinging pain at the back of me throat, so I did. That was it. Lights out. I'd puked myself into unconsciousness. I can vaguely remember hearing an Elvis song and I tried to get myself to my feet to go out and dance to it, but I couldn't budge. I was paralytic with the jars inside of me. The next thing that I remember is the door of my stall getting kicked in and there's 25 stone a bouncer standing over me. Before I could utter a word to him, the bollocks had me slung over the shoulder and before I knew what was happening, I was flying through the air outside the disco. Sharps came out after me and thanks be to God that he did because I was in no fit state to make a home on my own. Are you all right, Tommy? says he as he dragged me to my feet. I'm grand, yeah, says I. I just... Another sputtered and spew of pink and I'd swear I cracked the rib as it came up so violent was me wretched. Jesus, Tommy, you're not all right, says he. I think you're more than fucked, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not. Sure, I'll be grand in a minute or so, says I. All I need is something to soak it up like, you know. Come on then, says he, putting an arm around me neck as he dragged me out of the car park. There was a chipper van a little bit down the road and it was to there that he dragged me. He sat me down on top of a low wall and went over to get us a bit of scram. Needless to say, given the jocker that I was in, I fell asleep fell backwards off the wall and split the back of me skull wide open. I was none the wiser to it, neither was Sharps, till he turned around and seen nothing on me but pink stained moon boots sticking up over the wall. He slapped me around a little bit until I woke up and then he wanted to bring me up to the Jesus and Matter Hospital when he seen the blood dribbling down the back of me neck. I told him I was grand, which I was, kind of. All I wanted was to get some greasy food in me belly and then get home and get me head down for a few hours. Here, says he, get that into you, pal. He handed me a silver tray full of something covered in some kind of sauce. I didn't even ask him what it was. I just bleeding well milled into it. Could have been a tray of curry dog shite for all I know, the state I was in. Come on, says he, after a while. We better make tracks. Me Owen will be going spare if she cops on that I'm still out. All right, says I, let's get out of here. You know what, Tommy? You've more of that sauce on your face than you have in your belly, for Jesus' sake. Do you know that? Says he, breaking his shite laughing. I'll be grand, sure I'll clean it off when I get home. I stood up to walk, but I couldn't. Between the perno and the crack on me mallet, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I just went off wobbling sideways like a pissed crab. Come here, you bleeding idiot, says Sharps. He grabbed me and hooshed me up over the shoulder, and we headed towards home with me hanging off him like a four-sound stack of spuds. In all fairness to him, he made it about half a mile or so before he had to put me down. And it wasn't because his legs gave out. It was because I couldn't take the jostling up and down anymore. I thought I was going to puke me ring again.
We were outside an old convalescent home that's long since gone now. It was a big old Georgian gaff with a rake of land in front of it. It was boxed off from the path by a big tree plank fence. You know the ones I'm talking about. A concrete post every ten feet with tree planks going between each one. Top one about shoulder high, middle one at your waist, bottom one at your knees, and fuck all use of keeping that and out for Jesus' sake. Anyways, it was on top of this fence that Sharps plunked me down. So there I am, me arse teetering on a piece of wood no more than an inch thick, locked out of me face, more than likely concussed, and I know I'm more than likely at any minute to go snotting backwards off of it. Get me down, will you? Says I. I'll break me bollocks if I fall from up here. Here, come here, you agent, says Sharps, as he took me feet and tucked them in behind the middle plank. There now, you won't be going anywhere. And he was right. With me feet wedged in, I could lean back as far as I wanted, and I was going nowhere. Jesus, the bizzo, says I. Here, give us a smoke, will you? So we sat there and had a smoke and an Ellen matter. Sharp sat down on the ground, carving his name into one of the planks with one of the many knives he was carrying that night, the fucking psycho. I know I shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but boy, Jesus, like I told you before, he was a nut job for the yellow knives, the Lord of mercy on the poor fucker. Anyways, with the clatter of jars on us, sure didn't we only go and flake out. The next thing I know is I'm waking up, it's bright, I'm hanging upside down, and there's a cheeky little bastard of a fox licking the now crusty curry sauce off of me face. Shit hemorrhage doesn't do justice to the bleeding stroke I had when I seen it. It's a wonder the little bollocks didn't take the face off me, such was the scream I let out. It went scampering off into the bushes and left me hanging there like a poor man's side of beef. Jesus man, the pain in me legs was a terrible thing altogether. With me feet slotted in behind the middle plank, I'd obviously leaned back, way back, after I flaked out, and now I was stuck, and stuck tight, I can tell you. Sharps, says I, hoping to God that the fucker was still around, but he was long gone. He told me later that when he woke up, he tried to wake me up too, but sure, I was dead to the world, so the bastard just left me there and went off home. Well... Try as I might, I couldn't unjam me feet, and seeing as I've the upper body strength of a tadpole, I couldn't pull myself up to sit in either. Jesus, talk about being hung out to dry, what? I was still hanging there about an hour later when a squad car pulled up on the road in front of me. Two big, culty cops got out, and after having a good old laugh at me, they got me down and sent me on my way, but not before taking a few snaps of me with one of those poxy Polaroid cameras, the fuckers. Now... The scary thing is, that was more or less a typical night at a disco back in my day, and compared to the noise and those poxy strobe lights in the club, the night of Jimmy's young lad stag, I'd have taken Rena's any day of the week. Jesus, where was he? Oh, right, out of his box as he was on the powder, Jimmy made a beeline for the dance floor, and I can tell you he looked like a right gobshite as he bopped about with the young ones, decked out in his pink shirt and white chinos, the fucking idiot. The other two, with the few glasses of champers inside them, followed them out after a few minutes and they all leapt around the place thinking for all the world like they were that diversity crowd, but they looked more like Larry Corley and Mo, for Jesus' sake, a a bleeding gobshites the lot of them. I made me way to the bar and ordered myself a coke, a headache only bouncing around me skull with the noise of the place. Antonell says the barman, with all me good intentions, I didn't give it a second thought. Yes, as I uh, throw a double Bacardi in that for me, will you? If I was going to have to put up with the three lads for the rest of the night, I wasn't doing it sober. I can tell you that for free. 
So I just hung around by the bar, had a few drinks and watched the lads, now joined by Jimmy's young fella and a load of his mates, cause mayhem out on the dance floor. I was just about ready to scull me fourth drink and do a legger when out of nowhere some sneaky bastard popped me with a sucker punch in the kidneys. Jesus, the pain of it was inhuman. And me and mid-swallow, sure me drink went sputtering out of me gobbin all over the bar. With Bacardi dribbling down me chin and onto me new tin of fruit, I turned around only to get another clatter right in the chops this time. I didn't even bother asking what his game was. I knew it all too well. That psycho bastard security guard had remembered where he knew me from. Well, if it isn't Mr. Little Walkout himself, says he, told you I'd remember, didn't I? Well, fuck it in anyways. I can never catch a run of luck. He went to hit me again, but this time I managed to block him. He caught me by the wrist and twisted me arm behind me back as he spun me around. Twisted it so hard that I thought he was going to break it, so I did. I'm screaming to the lads for help, but sure they can't hear me over the poxy music. Your man's pushing me through the crowd and towards the door, where I can see two more bouncers waiting for us, and I know for sure that I'm in for one hell of a hiding if I don't do something and do it fast. Thanks be to Jesus for the Cuban heels. They came in handy that night. I raked one of them down his shin, ploughed a fucking furrow, so I did. He let out a roar and loosened his grip on me just enough that I managed to wriggle free from him, and off I went, bouncing through the crowd like a pinball as I made me way towards the jacks. I burst into the bogs and told the little elf fella selling the aftershave that there was a head case running amok outside with a baseball bat and that he should barricade the door. I bed into a stall, locked the door behind me and then stepping up onto the toilet bowl, I squeezed myself out the window and lanched. In me panic, hadn't I forgotten that we'd come up two floors after we came in? So you can imagine how much I'm freaking out when, after the first five feet or so, I'm still fucking falling. A good 18 or 20 feet I went down and only for a well-placed wheelie bin full of crap I'd have been brown bread, I can tell you. I was back on me feet in a flash and off I went, legging it up the road, bits of rubbish trailing behind me as I went. I made me way to Mickey D's on O'Connell Street to clean myself off, have a slash and throw an old burger or two into me because that belly was only hanging out of me with the hunger. After relieving myself much to me delight, I straightened up and went back downstairs to get a burger and chips. The place was jammers with young ones and young fellas, all locked out of their faces and as messy as a bucket of puke. I managed to get myself a seat over by the back wall and I was sitting there munching away happily, minding my own business, when this cracker of a queer one comes over to me. Do you mind if I join you, says she. I don't fancy much being in the middle of all of them. She nodded in the direction of all the locked nippers. No, Jesus, no, pet, work away, says I, the more the merrier. She was about my age, maybe a year or two younger, but looked even less if you know what I mean. It was only the few lines around her eyes that gave her away, and Jesus, she beautiful eyes, I can tell you, as green as the grass up in Croker and as sparkly as anything you could ever think of. She'd a mop of blonde hair and a figure that wouldn't look out of place on a page boy centrefold, even a whore edge. Tommy, says I, putting out me hand. Tommy Costello, nice to meet you. Lorraine, says she, taking me hand. Lorraine Hooper. She smiled and sure Jesus didn't the place only light up when she did. It's mad, isn't it? How a chance meeting can just, you know, change everything. Because I'm telling you now, man, meeting Lorraine turned me whole world upside down. Is that who you're marrying? I ask him. He smiles at me. Jesus, pal. You never bleed and stop, do you? 
Coming up on the next episode of Off My Block, Book 3, Done and Dusted. Chapter 5, Hello, Goodbye. As sure as shite he broke it. In two fucking places, the bastard. It took a spotty-faced runt of a student doctor all of an hour, eight x-rays, and a good ten or eleven swings out of me arm to tell me what I already knew. Listen here, Doogie Hauser, says I. You touch that fucking arm again and I swear I'm gonna pop you good and proper with me good one, do you hear me? That was enough to send him running, and after half an hour spent with the sweetest smelling young one of a nurse fussing over me, I was sent on me way. Me left arm in plaster, and me right hand clammy for the want of a point, and with dumpies literally across the road. Sure, who was I to argue with a dry throat and a sweaty palm? Hello, it's Stephen Duffy. I want to thank you for joining me here on Off My Block, and I hope that you'll join me next week for the next chapter in Tommy's story. Remember that you can subscribe for free here on Anchor.fm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.